This I don't want. I just wanted to give you a quick, just to show you this, real quick. Because this, you know, Sweden just had their elections. They they actually elected a conservative. So I'm anxious to see what's going what's going to go go on. Um, it says this sounds a little crazy, like a conspiracy theory, but in Sweden, people are already getting microchip implants in their hand to use for cashless payments. There's also a Swedish Swedish credit card that tracks your CO2 emissions. So we've been talking about how easy the mark was going to be. It's going, you know, and you know when you when people start this kind of stuff, then after a while it just gets to be normal procedure. Nobody nobody thinks about it. Uh, and I'll, but you know, I, I don't know what caused Sweden to fall off the deep end, but and he, here's another one. It says a Swedish woman was just sentenced to pay $5,000 for a crime. She reported how a far-left school teacher had a nine-year-old Christian girl write, I belong to Islam. So she got fined just for saying something about it. So anyway, it looks like, as we said, you know, things are pushing closer and closer uh, toward this thing coming to an end. And all in, we are looking at it. Like, if you want to get do a pre-look at the, that Jonathan Cain book, uh, Return of the Gods. Is that name? Yep, yep. That uh, we we thinking about doing that book next because it kind of deals with with what's going on in, in America. And, all right, page 62. I don't know when we last left off, but I, I just know where we left off. Everybody there, page 62? It says here in Daniel 11:35, And some of those of understanding shall fall to refine them, purify them, make them white until the time of the end because it is still for the appointed time. This, this chapter we're talking about is a God of second chances. Just because we, we mess up doesn't, doesn't mean we, we're counted out. It said, God knew that people who understood Him, loved Him, and served Him would fall and make mistakes. That is a negative statement, but it's also filled with encouragement. Why do we think that when we mess up, God is disappointed in us? Okay. I don't really have a right answer, but when I was reading this, I was thinking about, you know, we always think that, that, that for some reason God is disappointed in us, you know. Well, sometimes when you're... When you think of it fleshly, if you do something wrong, sometimes you feel like you disappoint your parents, and you know it could be like you're thinking of him as a fleshly person instead of mm -hmm. a instead of who he is. Well, if you know you disappoint your parents, I think you disappoint yourself because you allowed yourself to do something mm -hmm. that disappointment. When we try to make amends, we we don't even though we make amends, we correct it, we apologize, we. Try to move on. It really ain't. We ain't moving on. Mm -hmm. We're holding on. We thought we got to do the same thing. All right. Well, well, what about this? When we mess up, we're talking about God of second chances. When we mess up, does that knock us off of our track, and we can't accomplish what what God wants us to accomplish? 
so. I don't think so because if if, if, if that was the case, then they really wouldn't be no need of us trying because I mean we mess up daily, mm -hmm. you know. And as Christians, we know that He's already forgiven us. You know, He made that He made that sacrifice, you know, two thousand years ago. You know, giving us of each and every sin that we make. You know, so it still it bothers us. You know, because as Christians, we know we kind of held to a higher standard mm -hmm. than, than your typical sinner out in the world. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it shouldn't, at least it shouldn't take us off our track because we know as a Christian that we have a, a loving and forgiving God. Mm -hmm. I read this this week. It said one season David was a shepherd, the next season he was king. One season Rick was working in the field, the next season she owned it. One season Paul was killing Christians, the next season God uses him to bring salvation. So he's got to turn around. I don't think so, but I think it can change our track. It can change our course. It can change the timeline maybe because mm -hmm. of our own decision. You know, God knew we were going to fall. You know, you, 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 it's kind of mind-blowing, but think about it. He created Adam knowing what Adam was going to do, but yet he done it anyway. You know? He knew Adam was going to tear this whole thing up. You know? But he done it anyway. He had that much faith in, in, in mankind and what he was creating that... He knew we was going to mess up. And then that, that, that's where I got this quote from this morning. Life is 10% what happens to you. 90% how you respond to it. I think that's what either qualifies us or disqualifies us. When we mess up, a lot of people when they mess up, they quit. Not just Christianity, but in general. You know, would be on the job, in the world. When there's... When there's contrary winds, a lot of people just fold up their tent and quit. And so when they do that, then then there is, there is nothing else, you know, for, for God to do for them until they change. He, he would not make us do anything we don't want to do. We have that choice when we mess up, either pick up and go on or, or cash our chips in, you know. It's kind of like what I tell <coughs> I work at that new youth center that I got opened up in Louisville. And we got some boys in this weekend. And it's kind of like I tell them, you know, you have a right to get mad. I mean, everybody gets mad over something. But it, what determines the consequence of it is how you respond to your anger, how you respond to what you got mad over. You can, mm -hmm. you can either, you know, look at it and, kind of deal with it yourself, walk off, you know, count to ten, whatever, you know, or you can sit there and argue and fuss with the person that you got mad at or and, and fit your fit and cuss and everything else. And all that's going to do is get you in more trouble. And trouble's what got you where you at, you know. The, the older I get, the more I realize arguing don't fix anything. No. We want to do it when we're younger, but older years, they just ain't, they just ain't going to fix it. Nobody's going to change it, so let's skip. All right, uh, page 63, the, the next paragraph. says, in God's kingdom, and I want to get over here because I kept wanting to make this other statement, but I want to wait till I, till I, I want to get ahead of myself. In God's kingdom, even your mistakes 
prepare you for your future. According to the verse in Daniel, mistakes refine you and purify you. Living a holy life is important, and we should strive to live a life pleasing to God. Now, I had to deal with this a, a, a few minutes. What does it mean in this lesson? What does it mean to live a holy life? I think I, 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 I've, and what I'm going to show you here, we took that word and I think we tried to make it, we call it the Holy Bible. Well, the Bible ain't holy unless you do, it means something to you. You know, that's what makes it holy is you're willing to do something with it. But, but I, 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 so I researched this word. In the Old Testament, you know, it's written in Hebrew and New Testament in Greek. In the Old Testament, when you find the word holy, it is the same word every single time. You know, you, you, you find words, you know, that, that we translate like love, you know. The, the, the Greek or the Hebrew has very, you know, different words. Not always the same word. But in this case, holy, every time you see holy in the, in the Old Testament, it's the exact same Hebrew word. And, and, and it means apart or separated. God separated Israel. He called them holy. He just put them apart and He separated them. Now, in the New Testament, the word holy, go to uh, Colossians chapter 1. It is the, the, same, the same way in the New Testament. It's only one word throughout the, the whole New Testament. Because I really thought when I started looking that when you see God wants you to be holy, and then you see the word Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. I thought that Holy with Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost would be a different word than God wanting you to be holy, but it's the same word. When he talk, when God talks about the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, that Holy, and He talks about you being holy, He's using the same word. It would help if I got to Colossians. But the word holy in, in the New Testament is a different meaning than the holy in the Old Testament. It means sacred, pure, and morally blameless. So God called us holy, then that's how He sees us. He sees us morally blameless. He sees us, sees us pure. He sees us sacred. We're sacred to Him. In, first, in Colossians 1, Verse starting verse 20. Do what? Yeah, if we look at ourselves, ain't none of us will say that's how he sees us. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say whether they be things in the earth or things in the heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Remember, the word wicked means twisted, twisted things. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. So when we get saved, that's how God sees us. He sees us as holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in His sight. That's a mouthful. So, God is a faith God, right? Hmm? 
so he only sees things the way they're supposed to be or the way he wants them to be. See, when he sees you, he looks at the finished product. He don't look at all this other stuff in between. Because faith calls things that be not what? As though they were. See, he called us holy. He called us unblameable. See, he called us morally sanctified. Even though we're not. But by calling us that, then that draws us and makes us want to be that. Do you see that? That, that is the big distinction, see. By calling us that, raising that standard, then that draws us to want to be that. See, just like, you know, with your kids, you set a standard for them, those kids, whatever the standard of your household is, and then they endeavor to rise to that standard. But we being fleshly and not like God, when they mess up, Sometimes we do more harm to them than, than good and try to make them feel bad, feel like they're not good enough, feel like they can't live to the standard. And that will either push them away from us or pull them to us, see? But if we learn, and, and my kids are grown, and I didn't know all this information then, but we need to look at our kids and our grandkids just like God looks at us as where we want them to be and setting that standard, and that will draw them and make them want to because all of us what want to be pleasing to God, right? Well, what tells us if we're pleasing if we're lining up with what He asks us to do? See, does that make sense? So you got to see it. when you call things by faith. See, just like God does for your kids or for your needs or whatever it is. See, you're setting that standard, and then circumstances will begin to try to rise up to that standard, and that's how you get out of those those situations. See, all right? I just. Thought that was pretty interesting when I got to digging in it. So living a holy life is important. And we should all strive to live a life pleasing to God. However, the truth is we fall short in one way or another. Yet when God is involved, your failures can further His cause in your life instead of disqualifying you. And that's how we need to look at our failures. Failures help us even though they not, might not be ordained by God, but failures help us help others. See, I can have empathy with something Mark's going through if I've already been through it. Right? See, it helps me to help him because I've already walked the road or vice versa. He's already walked that road. And we need to look at that in our life as we these issues and things that we've all had. We've all we put us all together as a sum total, the body of Christ. There's much there's not much that somebody hasn't been been through, and there's not much that somebody hadn't already hadn't already come on hadn't already dealt with. See, when you put us together as as the sum total, see? And and, and I had this experience one time, this this lady had a child that uh, said he was gay. And she wanted to take him to a counselor. And so she asked me about it. And there's nothing wrong with going to counselors. But I asked her, I said, is this counselor going to be a Christian counselor or just a normal counselor? Well, I found this one in so-and-so, so-and-so. Well, now, if you nowadays, with our climate, if you take that child to a counselor that doesn't know God, what are they going to say? 
That's okay. Sorry, it's just normal. He's just being normal. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's how God made you. Huh? So you got to wash those kind of things. See? But now if she takes you to a Christian counselor, you're going to get a different thing. Right? Especially if he knows about the, 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 that we are a three-part person. See? Your habits, whether you, whether you gave, whether you drug addict, whether, whether you smoke, whether you cuss, whatever you do, all of those are started in the mind, will, and emotions. We put our mind on it, our thoughts on it, and then it brings us, it makes us want to do it. Well, when we change that pattern, we stop thinking about it, we stop paying attention, we put our mind on other things, then that gets weaker and weaker and weaker and it goes away. In, in any habit, that's, that's how you break habits, is by changing the information that we, we put in. But that's what created those habits. And the more we focus on that, the greater the pressure is to do it. See, the more you don't focus on it, it's hard in the beginning, but then as you put distance between you and it, it gets easier and easier if you get your focus off of it. In that. So that's what I'm saying. You know, God uses failures for us to be able to, to help others. You know, He didn't create the failures, but we can use them to benefit the body as a whole. Right? On the bottom of 6.3. God certainly didn't commission the sin and disobedience. But whatever you've done is not enough to stop God from accomplishing His will. He's still going to do what He said He would do in your life if you let Him. God will never give up on you, so don't give up on Him. It's not because you're so good. It's because He's so good. Now, well, let's go, go to Joel chapter 2. Well, I will read this. It's a little old bitty book. And Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. How many? If you go to the, oh, to the Malachi, the end of Old Testament, flip back a little bit. Joel chapter 2. I know a lot of these new new kids got these phones and they put the Bible on the phone. And then when they have a a book, they don't know how to find nothing because they're always clicking it on their phone. All right, Joel chapter two. I don't say this before we read it, uh, but this is something I, that I, that I, I've learned over time. H- have you ever missed an opportunity? And I'm not talking about just opportunity to make money. I'm talking about just an opportunity. A better job or, or better high better car whatever you ever miss the opportunity when we miss the opportunity what do we say Man, I missed that I missed it but did you that ain't that ain't biblical that ain't when you miss an opportunity God's gonna bring it back around because that's part of his endeavor in, in your life. He's going to bring it back. It might not be the same, and I just use it like this, it might not be the same deal. It may have a different look, but the result will still get you where you want it to be and where you're supposed to be. So when you miss something, don't we count it as loss, see? And when you count it as loss, then what does God have to do? He's counted as loss, but he's not going to go against your will, see? Don't count missed opportunities as loss. Just be aware 
and then be watching for them to resurface and recirculate and come back around. Now, like I said, it won't be the exact same circumstances and the exact same deal, but he'll bring it back around in a different form, a different format, and this time you can get in the deal and still get the same thing accomplished. Because in God, remember now, he sees you as that finished product, see? And if you miss one of these opportunities, you can't get to that finished product. That, that you want to be and he wants you to be, see? So he'll bring that back around. And I said just to, but the big thing is we have to be careful of what we say about those circumstances. I tell people all the time, especially when I'm, when I'm teaching those financial classes, you know, you know, I lost $20,000 on my 401k. No, you didn't. It's just on paper. You don't lose it until you cash that 401k in. Then you'd have a, a loss. It's only on paper until you physically do something with it, see? The stock market is made to go, it's a long-term ride. It's not a short-term ride. And you, you know, you got to realize it's going to have ups, it's going to have downs, see? But we go there and we talk about that and we preach that and we tell everybody else about how, I, mean, I told you about the, the, the Coca-Cola guy last the other week, you know? You know, I didn't ask, I just, he just blowed it up on me, you know? But he counted it, he just, he just thought he had lost everything. You know, but you only and until he actually physically done something with it, he didn't lose anything. See, so remember that. Why can't we just miss the ups and downs and he go and get us to the finished product and save us a lot of heartache and him a lot of heartache? <laughs> it just depends on how much we want to grow in faith. You know, God's optimum is us for, to hit it all the time, every time. Yeah. You know, but most of the time we're not willing to do the work to get it right every time. You know, you think about this. The only failure in life is a prayer failure. We can make the right decision every single time if we're willing to make the commitment to spend the time with God to find out what that answer is. But our problem is we're not willing to wait that long. See? We're not willing to, to, to do the work to get the answer. And therefore we make, make these mistakes. See? That's what, what did Jesus do? He... Pray all night long. You read, you read everything that Jesus done in the daytime. He got those answers the night or two nights before. Because they'll always say, you know, Jesus went alone and prayed all night. And then you'll see he done something. He raised somebody from the dead. He walked on water. He, he went fishing and got the, the money out of the fish's mouth. You'll see those great exploitations that Jesus did were based on what Because what did he say? only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. That's what he said. See, he spent time to find out what it was. But we don't want to take that time in life, so we subject ourselves to the, these dips, you know. And we have to understand this too, you know, that Jesus was created just like me and you. He had no advantages. He gave, if you read the Scriptures, He gave up all of His advantages so he could feel the infirmities, the temptations, the pressure that you and I feel every day. And that's how come he can be our high priest. See, it says he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities because he's walked the road, see. And you think what, what it took sometimes for Jesus to do. Did the whole crew, even his disciples, all the people, you know, would be laughing at him and mocking him and... All of this, he had to stand up to all of that and still get it right. See, you think about, about, about when, when he raised Lazarus from the dead. He walks in there and everybody's crying. No, the, the, the little girl. 
about this, everybody's crying. And he says, oh no, she's not dead, she's just asleep. What does it say? They laughed him to scorn. They begin to laugh at him. Now he's got to go here and raise this child from the dead and all this outside pressure, people laughing at him and mocking him and making fun of him. And you think about that situation, all that pressure, see. But he had already dealt with it the night before. As, as Christians, we know that we got to put in the work to get our desire or give what we ask for. Mm-hmm. Why is it so hard for us to do that as a Christian, knowing that that's all we that's what we've got to do is is, is put in the work. Why is it so why is it so because we just like everybody else. I mean we we want the best for ourselves, the best for our family, the best for our youngest. So why is it so hard to do it? when we know that that's all we got to do. Because the flesh always going to war against the spirit. You know, that, that sin nature in us is always going to fight and say we don't, don't. You know, we get tired. We just don't want to, you know. We want to read, but man, I sure don't want to miss that on TV tonight. We have to make those choices, you know. It's a lot of self-discipline. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's all of us, not just some of us. It's all of, all of us, you know. We, we have to decide what's important and and those things end up being more important than that not just i'm not saying just the duke i'm saying all of us me me included see i go to proverbs chapter three we'll deal with what duke just said because lord showed me something about this we actually got on to me this week and i'll show this to y'all because much to my kids this may i'm not perfect maybe not the closest thing you may ever see, baby. But. <laughs> All right, everybody, Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So it's saying here, don't don't look to your own earthly wisdom and smarts. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will direct your paths. Now, I, I, I've noticed this has been there for a long time and I say things like this, all right, Lord, I need to make this decision. I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging You. I want Your help in, in this decision. I'm, in my mind, I was acknowledging Him in my ways. And it says He will direct your paths. But this is what, 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 what he got about this week. That's not all your ways. That's just the way that you want to answer to right now. And not him all your ways means when you stumble and you didn't fall. Oh, thank you, Lord, I didn't fall. I appreciate that. Acknowledging him in everything. You had that near miss at the traffic light. Oh, thank you, Lord, I appreciate that. See, acknowledging Him in everything, every day, all day, is acknowledging Him in all His ways. Not just when I got to make a, make a decision. See, I don't fool with Him till I got to make a decision. They say, okay, I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to ask you for help. I'm acknowledging you. But it says A-double-L. All. Not just when we want something. See? And then that's what we have to learn about God. Is, is, is we only pray about what we want. 
And that's, that's not true way to pray. See, the Bible says what, what I'm willing to do for you, God will do for me. My prayer life should be more about me praying for you and almost nothing about myself. But what do we spend all of our time praying about? Me, 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 me. What I got, what I'm dealing with, what I want. And that's not, that's not scriptural and that's not biblical. Nowhere in here does he tell you to pray like that. Because what, we, we, that makes, what does that mean to us? That we're selfish. We're selfish, see. I'm more concerned about God getting my need met than I am God getting Mark's need met, so then I violate the love commandment. So I'm out of line. What's the love commandment? Love the Lord our God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Love your neighbor as you what? Self. Me loving him as myself means when you love somebody more than yourself, like you do your kids, what do you do? You put them ahead of you, right? Huh? You do for your kids before you do for you. Is that right or wrong? Huh? That's loving your neighbor as yourself. Be willing to do for them ahead of yourself. And God says, what I'm willing to, what you're willing to do for Mark, I'll do for you. Don't worry about it. So then when I get concerned about everybody else's needs, then what happens to my needs? He's already took care of. See? That's how we have to, we have to grow in this thing and, and learn. Will we always get it right? No. Will we make mistakes? Oh, yeah. All the time. But just don't ever quit trying and don't ever quit learning and be, be open uh, for, for God to teach us more and show us more and, 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 and make us better people because what's He trying to do? God's always got two things on His mind. You helping, Him helping you and you helping others. That's, that's the whole deal, see? See, you worry about helping others and then He'll worry about helping you, see? And, and then when there's times when you need this information, then, then we got a basis to come stand on. See? Okay, I've got, I need some... He says, if you like wisdom, ask, right? But he says, when you ask for wisdom, don't be what? Don't be double-minded. See, don't have two standards. Don't have a plan B, a backup. See? And that's, that's, that's what we have to do. So I learned this week, you know, we got to acknowledge him in, in, in everything we do. See? And then when I make a mistake... Then I want to go back to God and say, okay, God, I messed this up. Teach me something. Show me. I'm going to acknowledge you in this mistake. Show me. Show me. Uh, what, what, how did I mishandle this? What did I do wrong that caused? Because I was believing for this result, and I got this result. All right? So I know that's not God's best. See, he says I'm above what? Only and never beneath. We never lose. We win every time. See, we're above only, never beneath. That Deuteronomy 28 and 8 or 28 and 13 is one of them in there. So when I'm not, when you're not above only, then we need to go back and find out why we wasn't above only and learn where it went wrong, and then we don't have to make that mistake again. That that makes sense. Alright. Page 64. Well, let's just jump over to page 66. I will talk about Peter. Oh, this is about Peter. I guess if we skip several pages, we'll always make some progress, won't we? <laughs> but here, you know, he's talking about Peter's second chance, you know, and 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 how Peter stood up, you know, and told God, you know, told Jesus, you know, 
I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. You know, I'll die with you. And, and then Jesus tells him what? You're going to betray me three times tonight. You know, so that's what these page 64 and 65 are talking about is, is all of this. You know, then Peter made these mistakes. Then we go to 66. The, uh, the guy in the book says, those words were painful to read about Peter. He says, my heart goes out to Peter. Look how Peter felt when he denied Jesus the third time and then that cock. I mean, that's the ultimate betrayal, isn't it? That's the ultimate betrayal. And that's what I thought. But what about that co-worker that died that you never said nothing to either? You betray, we betrayed him just the same. You know, it's heavy, but it's it's the same. We do we denying him just like just like Peter did. He said, one can identify with the pain Peter experienced. He was a good man who made a mistake. But I'm glad he didn't quit. I'm glad he wasn't disqualified. God used Peter to do great things even after his huge mistake. Now, you know, Peter had this same problem, and, and I say this so we can see ourselves. Peter had the same problem his whole life. Peter was very high. Even, even after Jesus died, Peter, because we are who we are, Peter was really high-strung. He was a very opinionated person. Uh, what are you looking at me like that for? <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I am high-strung and I am very opinionated. Okay, I, I, I got that. But, 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 but I want you to notice this. So, in the day of Pentecost... When, when, when the Holy Spirit fell, fell on everybody. You ever notice who did the preaching? It was Peter. Peter betrayed Jesus a few days before. And now he preaches this sermon about, yeah, we're not drunk, you know, like you think, etc., etc. 3,000 people were added, were saved in that this one time. Then the next time we see Peter, he's going into the temple with the lame man he tells him to get up and walk in the name of Jesus. The guy gets up and walks, and pre Peter preaches again, and 5,000 people are saved. So in just a matter of days, Peter's already got 8,000 converts. But then you read on a little bit, and you see where Paul said, I went to Jerusalem because I wanted to confront Peter face to face about what he's been doing. And you, you have to just read through the epistles. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. This ain't exactly how it was written. Peter was going, you know, because also Peter got the vision about the unclean animals, you know. So he's the first one that went and preached to the Gentiles was Peter. You know, and Gentiles would eat pork and things that were forbidden for Jewish people to eat. So Paul shows up and, and tells Peter that he's two-faced, you know, because Peter is going to the Gentiles eating and drinking and, you know, and preaching and doing this. But when the Jews would come around, he would pull back and wouldn't associate with the Gentiles and would only eat the stuff that the Jewish people would eat, see? And vice versa. And Paul said, hey, I went, I went all the way to Jerusalem and I called him out. See, so, so his, I'm saying this, no matter how much we're saved, we still us. We still, our, in, our intuitions and, and our things, how we think, we take that with us and, and it still causes us to make mistakes, but, but they are not detrimental because of big mistakes as Peter made. See, he still won 8,000 converts in two or three days. So, so don't hold those mistakes against yourself because that's your personality. That's your DNA. Now, do we work on it? Do we try to change it? Do we try to do better? Oh, yeah, all the time. 
all the time. But when you slip back, don't don't throw in the towel because that's just kind of how you put together, you know. Uh, I I I sent some of y'all that a personalities like me that little old uh, video this week. This lady sitting in the car. She says car pulled out from in front of me. What what how did it say in the beginning? Somebody then try not to be mad or try not to overreact. This car pulls out in front of me and going ten, and then goes ten miles an hour below the speed limit. Well, I'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> so that that's kind of, that, that kind of describes me in a, in, 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 a, in a word. That I'll, I'll just try again tomorrow. Sometimes I just I just lose it. There's certain things just cause you. I mean, and you're gonna do that, but don't but don't quit. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> oh, oh no, don't I want to go? Yeah, you. Oh, I just a question I thought about. We talked about uh, a little bit, maybe not ties into it, but uh, you know, we think of Adam. Uh, did he go to heaven? Yeah. Oh, you know, You reckon he only sinned one time in the whole his whole life? Probably not. You know, but you know, we don't hear nothing else about him. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking that one. You don't hear, once, once Adam does that, you don't hear any, any, anything else about him. But you don't hear anything else about Joseph, Mary's husband, either. You're talking about Peter. You, know, about, you don't hear anything about him. We, we you know, we, man, he was talking one time about Jesus getting angry and how we used to read it or how we understood it. You know, didn't Jesus talk to Peter about denying him before his death? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's talking about me and you and Terrell talking. We we might know something isn't happening, and we planned this out. Maybe we've been reading that a little bit wrong. Okay. I mean, how we been reading that? I mean, how we, should we, we read? read it? We, well, I don't know how we should be reading. I'm just saying we've been reading it. You know, he, he, you know, you know, evil, the evil one, the wrong one, the, yeah. you know, all that stuff. But I mean, looking at it from a different standpoint, how you know? We always want to pull. I think pull these people out of the Bible and. Real life, and, I guess, what I'm saying. Yeah, and pick on them and, you know, and, and talk about their mistakes, you know, about how bad Adam was and, you know, how bad Peter was. And it goes on, there's a bunch of them, you know. We make them more important. Uh-huh. Their failures more than, yeah. than what they actually did. Isn't it? But you may ask that question about Adam? Yeah. Right. Take... Ask Siri. No, I think ask Siri. <laughs> Everybody that died before Jesus went to paradise. All right? Paradise was located in, in, in the earth, in the middle of the earth, just like hell. But remember, Abraham talked to the, to the rich man and said, you know, there's a, a great void in between us. Those that come from you to us or us to you, we, we can't move. He was in Abraham's bosom is what the Bible actually talked about it. All right? But read, read about Jesus, what he did those three days. He went down to paradise and preached the gospel to those people. See, because everybody's going to get to heaven had, had to be the only substance let me back up when Adam fell it meant that everybody had to pay the price for sin we, we talked about this many times everybody had to pay the price for sin All right. so Jesus offered that substitute, that ransom that I died for you if you will accept that so if you don't accept that then you have to go to hell and pay your price for your sins, that's, that's all it is that's the difference. You didn't receive Jesus, didn't receive his payment. Now you got to go to hell and pay for it yourself. See? So all those people before Jesus didn't have that opportunity. See? 
So they were in paradise. And if you read the, read the Bible, Jesus went down and preached to those preached to those people in Abraham's bosom, and then they made that transfer from Abraham's bosom to heaven. If they chose, huh? If they chose to. Well, now, I, the Bible is vague about that. I don't know what the separation was because we do know that some people were in hell and some people were in paradise. I mean, when you read that rich, the rich man was in hell. Lazarus was in paradise. And what made that distinction, the Bible is not clear, and I don't have any idea. But, but one of them was already in hell, and one was in paradise. See, he didn't preach to those people in hell. He preached to those people in paradise. See, so and I, and I don't know what, it, maybe some of y'all just, that, that read a lot and all may know what that separation was. But, but there were some already there uh, in there. Since we got a couple of minutes, I'll go ahead and say this. One of the biggest... Problems ever made at the prison was I made a statement that if more people go to hell than go to heaven, then God loses. If more people go to hell, devil gets more people than God does, God loses. Is that right or wrong? Rational. Well, huh? Rational. God says he's a winner. More people got to go to heaven than go to hell. But we think not. Uh, but then they brought this. Then, then the, I, I did that on one of the Thursday night things. But then I went back. I did you know Bible study on Tuesdays, and so then a bunch of them were were waiting on me. And if that's if that's true, then why does the Bible say hell's enlarging itself every day? I said, well, because hell wasn't made for me and you. What was hell made for? The demons and the fallen angels. God made hell for them. He didn't make it for me and you. But when Adam fell. Now God's got to have a place to put all these rogue spirits. See, if I don't choose heaven, if I don't choose Jesus, if I choose hell, see, I'm going to live forever. You're going to live forever. The difference is where we're going to live. We're all going to live forever. But you've got to choose where you're going to live forever at, see? All right? So if, 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 if I don't choose Jesus, then I die. God's had to have a place to incarcerate that rogue spirit. He had to have somewhere to put that rogue spirit because it's going to live forever and it would continue to contaminate the kingdom once the rapture happens and all that happens, see? So he had to have a place to incarcerate those spirits. And so since he already made hell, but why does it say, the good thing is he says he enlarges it daily. He didn't enlarge it one time for a whole bunch of people. He's trying his best to get as many in the kingdom as he can and we're only enlarging it as, as those that choose not to. See? And uh, so that's... That's the difference in, in, that, in, in people going to heaven and hell. But you're going one place or the other. It just it depends on where you choose. You're Because you're going to live forever. You know, we, we kind of, as Christians, you say something. Well, that's just something to think about. You know, and you can Google it because my numbers may be off, but you got 120 people that die every minute. Now, this is around the world. Right. you got 7,200 that die every hour. You know, when you boil it down in a 24-hour day, just it's right at, I'm rounding off, around 200,000 people a day. It's either going to heaven or hell. So, and I'm off a little a little yeah. bit, but uh, that's why I try not to pass up an opportunity that we get when we get yeah. witness to somebody or leave them because I don't know if we're going to get it again. But. And, and it's, it's mind-boggling because the Bible says from Jesus on, Everybody is going to have to hear the gospel. Nobody is going to have an excuse. So what happens over there where Buddha is and all those, you know, 
you know, but something has to be happening that we don't know because God has to be just, has to be good as His Word. Everybody has to have the opportunity to, to deny Jesus, you know, uh, or, or the Word wouldn't be right. But I always wonder about how, how you reckon, you know, in, in those places like that, you know, they, there's people that never heard about Jesus, but they have to, at some point, they have at some point, some way, they, they, they've heard about Jesus or, or it would be unjust. But you, you know, know you were talking about hell expanding in, in heaven. It's just hard to get my mind around right at 200,000 people a day, just a day, dying. Mm-hmm. They go in some work. That train car is busy, ain't it? Yes, sir. It's, it's busy going both ways.